This is the animated podcast with me, Johnny Armstrong. And in this episode, we're going to discuss fame and fortune, being rich and famous. Isn't it one of the more prominent messages we hear within our cultural landscape that contentment and fulfillment are tied to and maybe even based on how much and how many, how much money do you have enabling you to fill in the blank and how many people know it and then bask in the glow of your awesomeness, wishing they could be you. How many followers do we have liking our tweets and following our Instagram stories as we chronicle just how magical things are in that fantasy land world of ours? Now, social media platforms can certainly be wonderful tools to spread some goodness, some positivity, connectivity, connecting with others, and even useful data and information, but they can also become traps if we're not careful, right? Isn't it the case that in our increasingly materialistic, ultra-competitive, and self-image-obsessed society that being rich and famous is the natural byproduct, the combination of elite capability and performance, and represents the pinnacle of success if you've got the juice and the minerals to get there. Sure, almost all of us know quite well that we're never going to be a household name or an instantly recognized figure, and don't really want all that goes with that anyway. I mean, I can imagine how unpleasant it might be just to want to go out for dinner in a movie only to be mobbed by paparazzi and selfie seekers. You know, back in the day, it used to be that that people just wanted autographs. You know, sign this napkin, sign my t-shirt, sign my forehead. But now it's digital, so it's, it's all about leveling up that feed, right? Still, we all long to be known, recognized, loved, heard, and perhaps even admired for something. We all want to belong. But this can go sideways if we get so caught up in other people's perceptions of us, or at least what we imagine those perceptions to be, that we base our worth and self-esteem to where we are on the how much and how many scale. It seems that the pursuit of material wealth and, and, and the fame that goes along with it to an extravagant degree, is wired into the very fabric of the first world mindset. I can think of two somewhat amusing kind of sayings that reflect this. Whoever said money can't buy happiness either doesn't have the coin or just doesn't have any idea where to shop. And whoever said it's not whether you win or lose but how you play the game probably lost. Don't be a loser. Isn't that kind of where we, we are in our thinking sometimes? Uh-huh. Isn't that what, what society bellows to us when it comes to performance-based acceptance? You got to earn respect. You got to earn this. You got to earn appreciation. The scene from the film Glengarry Glen Ross, where Alec Baldwin's character is dressing down one of the salesmen in his organization, captures this quite well. You see this watch? Yeah. That watch costs more than your car. I made $970,000 last year. How much you made? You see, pal, that's who I am, and you're nothing. 
Perhaps that's somewhat of an extreme example, but it does underscore how important it is to be aware and mindful of the fact that unless we take measures to guard ourselves, we can buy into the notion that your name, your identity, you are defined by how many and how much, your relative level of fame and fortune. Recall the ammo we use to hit the target of an ordered approach to sound living. Remember, ammo, one M, I know, but it's AMO, it's awareness. It's being aware of what's out there, what works, what do the data show, who says, including your own voice. Read, listen, ask questions, observe, learn, be aware, and then be mindful. Mindfulness in the sense of the willingness and effort to stay focused and think things through top to bottom, following your arguments all the way to the logical and complete conclusions, and then make decisions. And do not be ruled by your emotions. Be aware of what's out there. Be mindful of self and others and the voices. And then be open, openness. Humbly accept the fact that you don't know it all, I don't know it all, and, and be willing to accept helpful guidance, even criticism, and then correct course when necessary. Read, listen, learn, pay attention, watch, be aware, be mindful, be open. Viewing yourself, your name, identity, who you really are through the how many, how much lens can be a recipe for disaster as it can lead to disillusionment and despair that emerge from feeling inadequate or inferior. How so? Well, comparing ourselves to others or even our version of self that should be slaying the game in every area of life, you know, lots of dollar bills, that new car smell, styling and profiling those fashions, scholastic and professional accolades that make others wish they could just have an hour in your shoes, that will eventually hollow a person out. It will empty you. That's because attaching lasting fulfillment and contentment to what the world defines as notoriety and material wealth is futile because those things in and of themselves are incapable of satisfying the most intense longings of the human heart. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's unpack it just a bit. Jesus once asked, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? You know what it means to forfeit? It's, it's willingly giving up or quitting. In, in this context, it is a willingness to relinquish the essence of your being, the real you, to gain something that you can't keep because it's not going to last anyway. Jim Elliott was a missionary who was killed by the tribe he was attempting to help. Once wrote this, he, he wrote, and I quote, he is no fool to give up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose, unquote. That's a profound perspective, isn't it? There are things we attach a radical significance to that demand so much from us in order to get them. The key question concerns whether or not these things, which aren't confined to just tangible items but can be status, achievements, a job, certain relationships, or even an experience, are these things worth the exchange? Another insight Jesus offered that is relevant to this topic was when he said, 
where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Note the idea that the things we treasure, essentially what we're, what we're pursuing or targeting, somehow take hold of and capture our hearts. In other words, our heart gets dragged into whatever it is that we have decided is to be most valued, most treasured, most pursued. And if this sounds like some over-idealized spiritual gibberish that has no basis in any modern views of how the brain actually work, let's hear from a real live PhD in clinical psychology who has published numerous articles in peer-reviewed journals, authored two best-selling books, has been a tenured professor at the University of Toronto, and now lectures around the world. I'm speaking of Jordan Peterson. I actually think that that's in accordance with, with what we have come to understand about human perception because what happens is that the world shifts itself around your aim because you're a creature that has an aim you have to have an aim in order to do something you're an aiming creature you look at a point and you move towards it it's built right into you and so you have an aim well let's say your aim is the highest possible aim well then so that sets up the world around you it organizes all of your perceptions. It organizes what you see and you don't see. It organizes your emotions and your motivations. So you organize yourself around that aim. And then what happens is the day manifests itself as a set of challenges and problems. And if you solve them properly, then you stay on the pathway towards that aim. And you can concentrate on the day. And so that way you get to have your cake and eat it too. Because you can point into the distance, the far distance. And you can live in the day. In some of his other lectures and writings, Peterson clarifies in more elaborate detail how the fields of neuroscience and psychology have shown us that whatever it is a person is fixated on or aiming at is what their brains build their world around. Another way to look at it is that your fixations have the effect of creating the habitat you walk around in, the air you breathe, and define what is important to you, all of which triggers our emotions, and drive much of what we actually do. So it seems that the first century rabbi, Jesus, knew what he was talking about after all. And this highlights just how important it is to take command of our thinking and manage what it is that we most desire and are fixated upon either getting or actualizing. What are we aiming for? What's worth building our world around. So if it is the case that our entire world gets shaped around what it is we are focused on, then it stands to reason that it's helpful to pick the right targets. And to do that, you have to be willing to think it all the way through, bottom to top, and scour out from your psyche the things like toxic negativity, arrogance, deceit, and resentment that can lead to laziness, complacency, irresponsibility, all of which is harmful to self and those around you, your family, your friends, your teammates, your community. So load up on that ammo, awareness, mindfulness, openness. 
One of the animating principles this highlights is just how important it is to determine which targets are best to aim at, and that starts with an examination of our ideals. What is the highest good I can target? What is the highest ideal? Well, that's a broad question, isn't it? You might then well ask, ideal what? That's the issue. The question becomes determining what is and perhaps even who characterizes or represents the ideal I am to aim at in the various aspects of my life. Where does it start? It seems to me that trying to make this determination or set of determinations begins with my view of self and the kind of person I aspire to be, which then flows into what kind of life I want to live. What is my target for being a person? What or who represents the human ideal in terms of my view of self, others, and my place in the world? What does the ideal life that can impact the world for good look like? Well, this is no news flash, <laughs> but for me and many others, the human ideal happens to be Jesus of Nazareth. Think of his beautifully lived life reaching out to and lifting up the marginalized, despised, and victimized, and then entering into their suffering through the ultimate act of self-sacrifice and see how one life can change things radically. I recently heard a Marine commander describe the three things he believes in that he conveys to his troops when formally welcoming a new formation to the family as they prepare for the training leading up to a deployment. He says, number one, I believe in leadership by example. Number two, I believe in self-sacrifice for the greater good. Number three, I believe one man can make a difference. Leadership by example, self-sacrifice for the greater good. One person can change things radically. That's good. So how do I aim at that and get my heart dragged into that set of ideals? That's the question. What can we do to have that happen? A great illustration of this comes from a rather interesting source. Someone who would be a first ballot inductee into the rich and famous Hall of Fame if it actually existed. It's none other than Bill Gates, the co-founder and CEO of Microsoft. You know, the multi-billionaire who showed us all what's up when it comes to who really runs the show. It's those who can take ones and zeros and change reality as we know it or think we do. Hey, as far as we know, we're nothing more than brains in vats tucked away in a data center on some IT genius's remote island or space station. <laughs> Anywho... Listen to how, how Mr. Gates frames it. You have to pick a pretty finite number of things to tell your mind to work on. You have to decide. What should you care about? You know, what you'd really like is for all the children of the world to be treated equally What should I care about indeed? What should be most important to me? 
how should I construct the hierarchy of importance such that there is balance leading to growth and flourishing within, around, and through me, spilling out onto those in my path or even around the planet? What's the definition of success that I should be targeting? You see, Bill and his wife Melinda took to heart that billions around the world are struggling mightily with things that we in the affluent first world didn't even know were things. For instance, simply being born in Niger as opposed to New York puts one at risk from actually dying from a condition most of us would consider nothing more than a gastrointestinal nuisance handled by a quick trip to the local drugstore to shell out pocket change for a bottle of elixir that cures what is ailing you that afternoon. But people are actually dying of that due to inadequate sanitation. In fact, roughly half the world's population lacks access to what almost anyone hearing this considers and takes for granted as the sort of basic hygiene necessary for individuals and their community to experience a baseline level of wellness that enables development. Those who are involved in relief efforts use the acronym WASH, which refers to water, sanitation, hygiene, as the non-negotiable components for a people to develop normally, survive, and have any chance to then thrive. So Gates wondered, why isn't the world applying its tremendous resources to eradicate these challenges? Why is there a lack of innovation in this space? First recognizing and then experiencing a keen sense of urgency as thousands were perishing each week remedies were not being put into place led the Gates, utilizing their foundation, to put their inventiveness and capacity for visioning into an undertaking light years removed from Microsoft board meetings in the effort to gain market share. Gates now channeled his energies and efforts into finding and even producing cheaper, more easily deployable ways to handle raw sewage. In his own words, he went from board meetings to toilet fairs. What a wonderful example of others-focused living that enriches the self as others are lifted and put on the path to wholeness. That's worth striving to be famous for, isn't it? So what's, what's a takeaway here? Look, sure, it's, it's doubtful most of us are going to have the bandwidth and the resources to throw into large-scale efforts to rid the world of disease and poverty, but we can contribute to the effort in some way. What we all can most definitely do is make a critical difference in our own little circle, our own tribes and communities by helping someone who needs a few bucks to pay their electric bill or go out of our way to make certain that a wounded soul who is impoverished due to discouragement and a ravaged self-image experiences the healing power of unconditional love and acceptance. That is an authentic and potentially life-altering way to rid your own world of poverty and the disease of self-hate and despondency. Be famous for that. Be well-known and recognized for being that person. Everyone in your life, starting with those under your own roof, knows that they can count on to love and not judge them. 
one who is an awesome listener, a compassionate, kind-hearted hearer who is poised and ready to pounce on every opportunity to encourage and make much of another person, to build him up by making him feel important and powerful. Be an empowering figure in the life of the people in your life. The ROI, the return on investment on that is wealth of the sort that not only lasts, but compounds at a geometric rate such that things are changed and sometimes spectacularly in the spaces you roll in. Never underestimate the force of even the smallest gesture of kindness and compassion since a warm-hearted comment delivered with a welcoming smile can make all the difference in the world for a person struggling just to find one small spot where a little bit of light is shining. They need some brightness and warmth. You be that shine. You decide to be the one coming in hot to blaze some joy and positive energy into another's reality and watch it change yours. That's how it works. Make your world a better place, you beast of a difference maker, by doing the best you can to bring that glorious tide in and all the boats, including yours, rise. You have the power to change a moment that can change a day and set in motion the course of a changed life. So get after it and you'll be rich and famous in the ultimate sense then you can wallow in what is genuine and enduring fame and fortune. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hope the thoughts have blessed and maybe even amped you up, energized you to get out there and gain traction moving forward, making things different in the world around you because When you change the world you live in, it enables you to have a better go of it out there because you live in that world too. (laughs) If you're finding the animated podcast helpful and access it through iTunes, please consider leaving a review as it helps get the word out. You can also leave a comment or a voice message, including ideas for what you'd like covered at the anchor.fm site. Love to hear from you. So as you are out there navigating life, doing your thing, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. In your efforts at getting accurate to go get some, just remember that to go give some is how best to get more. That's how it works. So give a lot to get some. Everything works better that way. Peace and love, my friends.